Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the Jan Arden Podcast Show Variety Hour. We are so glad to be back. It seemed like this was a really long week, and I'm thrilled to tell you that Adam Karsh, of course, is here with us uh, from his basement, very luxurious basement studio in Toronto, Ontario. Um, and my longtime work colleague, road manager, um, this clothing designer, uh, set uh, organizer, driver, pet handler, um, hair. It, listen, I'm. I'll stop now because that'll take up the whole show. Chris Brunton, ah, drum roll, uh, clapping. I don't know. Oh, Chris is so used to that. Chris, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? How was Stampede Week down? You, Chris lives right in the line of fire. Um, I'm not going to give you his exact address, but <laughs> he can basically look off his balcony and see people having sex in the alleyways uh, in Calgary. It's quite, I don't know, it's entertaining if you're safely removed from being on the street level with it, but it was chaos and I'm glad it's done. Um, that's about it. That's that's all I have to say. My building goes through several modes of destruction every year and we, we got a fairly light this year. How does your dog do with the fireworks? She loves them. She's out there watching them every night. Come on. Loves them. She will not go to bed. She gets very excited around 1030. She knows they're coming. We have to go outside. I'd go to bed if it wasn't for her. She loves them. Same with thunderstorms. She sits up on the couch and just watches them. I don't even know what to say to you right now. <laughs> uh, my dog and I, two weeks ago with a big hailstorm, hailstorm that rolled through here, we went out into the garage and sat in my car. I, Adam already knows this story because I was talking about it. But, you know, I'm in my pajamas with the dog. We're both nodding off in my car in the garage. Anyway, for those of you uh, listening that don't know, who Chris Brunton is. Chris and I have worked together for 17 and a half years, I think. Is it? Is Yeah. So we're working on year 18, which blows my mind. And um, Chris and I really are inseparable on the road. And of course, with COVID, we haven't been on the road a lot. But Chris does everything from organizing all the travel to the band and the crew, um, all the stuff that you see behind the scenes. And plus the fact that he kind of takes on the responsibility of me and all the crazy stuff that happens to me and what I need, looking for food at yeah. 2 o'clock in the morning and trying to find freaking a salad somewhere that doesn't have bacon on it. And, you know, anyway, um, you were, what, 21 years old, Chris, when we started working together? Yeah, I, I was 21. And, um, yeah, I... Uh had just graduated university. So it was quite a, uh, quite a jump into my first job. It wasn't like my first job. I had like college jobs, but my first like adult job. Um, and here we are 17 and a half years later. I love the story about you going to see the Dixie chicks and I was opening for them. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think it I was no your clue who you were. <laughs> That's okay. You're 20. <laughs> <laughs> no clue who you were. Well, I, listen, I didn't know who I was. And uh, yeah, and I am a big, still to this day, I'm a big Dixie Chicks fan. So went to see their show and you were the opening act. And that was my first introduction into who you were. And then a couple of years later, I was looking for work and oh. my mom suggested that I 
I've told this story before, but my mom I love suggested it. I contact you because you still lived in Alberta, which means you probably weren't a drug addict. Ah! Oh, <laughs> and, and you were grounded. You were grounded. I don't know about that with Alberta <laughs> anymore. Uh, I don't know. Did everybody become a drug addict the last 18 months? I'm not sure what's just happened there. Um, it's so great because we started out and you were doing a lot of things around the office. And then because people always say, I want Chris's job. I want that job. It looks, you don't want Chris's job. I'll tell you right now, it is so difficult. Like I just see him literally pulling his hair out and, you know, when things go wrong, which they always do, there's always going to be problems. You know, Darcy's keyboard didn't show up. Well, where, where is Darcy's keyboard? Well, it was on the truck. The truck stuck. There was a snowstorm in the past. The whole band is there. The crew bus got through, but the, uh, you know, it's just a never ending litany of details. I couldn't do your job for love nor money. There are people in the industry. There are people even on tour with us that say that they want to do my job and then witness it firsthand. And I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. What do you think? <laughs> what, what, what do you like about your job? Like, I, I know we all love what we're doing. We're in the entertainment business. You and I, I don't think there has a day that's gone by when we're not in our Chrysler minivan traveling from town to town saying how lucky we are. We're listening to music. We're going to the next gig. Um, you know, we're, we're very fortunate, but what, what keeps you interested in the, the tour manager side of things? The travel. And I love the travel still. I mean, it does get, when you're traveling the world in your twenties, it's like you're complete, it's a free for all and you're having the best time. And you have no responsibilities. It's gotten harder to travel and be gone for longer periods of time, but I still like it. Um, the travel for sure. And just meeting people, uh, we both have friends all over the world because of, of traveling. And that's what's made this year particularly hard is because we usually see those friends often because we're all over. But having to be in one spot for so long, I really miss those connections. So, um, But I like the problem-solving aspect of it. All the problems that you just said that completely go wrong every day. It keeps me on my toes. You you like Sudoku? What the what the f is that? Like when you talk about problem solving, I'll look to my left, Chris on the plane, and he's doing those friggin' numbers solving. Like who who voluntarily does math things? Me. And I know there's a lot of you out there that is, am I saying it right? Sudoku. Sudoku, yeah. What's the point? Like, what's the end game? I don't know. It's supposed to keep you like on your toes. It's the same reason people make fun of me all the time for doing puzzles <laughs> all the time. And well, puzzles yeah. single-handedly saved my boredom this year, but you know what they do? They focus my brain. You're right. I have extreme anxiety and they, and they, and it, it's the only thing that makes my, my brain focus. No, you're, I mean, I'm making fun of something really important because <laughs> you do have to be engaged. You have to do things. I find no enjoyment in puzzles, especially the kind that have pieces that inevitably your cat will take three of them. <laughs> and, you know, that's just what happens. Um, but yeah, I'll look over and see you do that. What do you, what do you think, Chris, are the challenges that we face? We're already seeing in, in the States um, live shows going back up which has really kind of made me nervous. We, we saw live entertainment at the Stampede this year. 
what do you think it looks like going forward, like for you and I and and our band? Do, do, do you think anything will be different or are we going to be looking at the same sort of routines? What What do you think? I think meet and greets are a thing of the past for the next couple of years. Unfortunately for the fans, wah, I, don't wah, think, wah. I don't think we can do them. Um, I think... I think we're going to be in a bit of a bubble situation traveling even into 2022 where, you know, the crew is very isolated. The band is very isolated. And we've seen for the past 17 years, even pre COVID how getting sick, even colds or flus or whatever can really wipe out an entire tour very quickly. So we have, even before COVID, Jan and I started traveling alone probably three or four years ago, um, just because we are both high risk for getting sick. And um, if Jan gets sick and can't sing, the whole the whole thing shuts down. So we implemented that prematurely. And we also do like the Chrysler minivan. Let's face it. Yeah. Well, it's a mix. Like we've got that sucker down. When we figured out how to do the auxiliary plug in for the phone that was the hardest part we were so happy because now we just dj we just dj all wherever we drive to and sometimes we have like eight hour drives canada's huge and the drive times between gigs are massive it's not like the states where you literally go 15 minutes to the next theater where you set up and do it in canada it's like okay thunder bay here we come we'll be there in two days let's just put our heads down and get driving. I think it'll be different. I think meet and greets will go. I think, I don't know how it'll all work out. Well, so you don't think there'll be any backstage stuff for a while? No, I don't think we can't. I mean, I just think it's too risky for you. And I think it's too risky for safety of everyone. And that's for the, that's for the customer safety too, the the fans and the, I just don't think it's, I don't think it's doable for the next uh, have you have you seen anybody doing it yet? Have you seen any no, any um, artists out there like standing next and doing pictures? Nope. Nothing, it, and it won't be artists that are out this year, this summer, are barely even interacting with their own crew, let alone fans. I know that I know that a lot of acts are doing zones. So much like how I was filming the Jan show in March we did have zones like we literally had to use zone a bathrooms and then the b people had to use zone b bathrooms and the c people had to use zone c bathrooms but we didn't have one incident of covid and that was kind of in the middle of it when we when we started filming the beginning of march uh we had a very militant group of people that were our covid supervisors and if i had my mask down like just with my nostrils out because you're just trying to give yourself a break, right? I'd have this tap, you know, or this voice, Jan, mask up. I'm like, God, but, you know, nobody got sick. Um, Anyway, we're going to be right back. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. I'm with my dear friend and my road manager, Chris Brunton, Adam Karsh. Don't go away. Tonight the people They waited there in line And when they got up on their feet You made the show Welcome back, everyone, to the Jan Arden Podcast Show. <sighs> Informative uh, 
what, what else it is it? It's, a, it's an informative, you, you, we learn things. This is a very educational program. I think we solve a lot of problems. No, we don't. No, we don't. Let's face it, we don't. Chris Brenton is uh, with us today from his downtown beautiful condominium that overlooks the Stampede Grounds, also the entire Rocky Mountain Range. So I can call Chris and go, Chris, what's our forecast for this afternoon? He's going to be like, there's going to be some high winds. We've got some clouds coming in from the southwest and hunker down. Strap your dog to a tree and... I did learn a very valuable lesson this week. It was, we, we are struggling with smoke in Calgary this week. And oh, big on, time. On Monday, I couldn't see the ground, like literally from 22 floors what? up. It was so bad downtown. But I checked the webcam in Canmore and there wasn't a cloud in the sky. So I got in my car and I went on a 10-hour hike and enjoyed the... Um, Who goes on a 10-hour hike? Where do you hike I to did. for 10 hours? I did a ridge Where? of about seven mountain peaks. It was great. I did a ridge of about seven potato chips. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so lesson learned, if it's shitty weather downtown, somewhere will be nice to go visit. So I did. I did that. I guess, I mean, webcams are quite something. I know people that check webcams and like, what are you doing? I'm watching people in Edinburgh. Why? Why are you watching people in Edinburgh? No, I just checked the one that by where we were doing that show for Canada Day when we were up there. Yeah, we went up. Uh, we went up Sulphur Mountain. Yeah, on the gondola, and we sang "Waiting in Canada" up there. That was a really amazing day. It's amazing up there. If you ever get a chance to go to Banff, go up the gondola. We're like a we're like a travel advisory today, Chris. We're really giving tips to people. Adam, have you have you ever been to Banff, Adam? I have been to Banff twice and it is so beautiful so stunning so spectacular it's i can't believe it out there lake louise as well i've been there oh my god oh for sure it's so majestic it's unbelievable i love it there have you been up the gondola i have not been up the gondola but i have done the hike around lake louise oh you have to go i will next time see now that's my kind of hike around lake louise (laughs) going around lake louise it's kind of flat same with emerald lake like once in a while, you have to lift your leg about six inches off the ground to like over a tree stump or a root. Chris is one of those guys, if you saw a, a drone circling around, he looks like the Lord of the Rings people walking along the mountains in New Zealand with seven dwarves following him. I actually lost the trail at one point on this hike and had to use all four limbs to climb back up to it. So that's the kind of hike that I'm doing. <laughs> Which I know isn't appealing to a lot of people, but I think it's great. I have zero interest. (laughs) So have you taken the dog with you? She won't come on that one, but I have a backpack on a lesser hike. She'll come with me in the backpack, but she would never do. I would never take her on that because I'm literally climbing rocks. So, but she likes it. Like like the flatter ones that you mentioned, she'll come on, she'll walk, and then she'll get in the backpack. I like how Lorelai rolls. She's yeah. my kind of hiker. She's very much the apre hike <laughs> kind of girl. She likes the she likes the chill time after it. Uh, you and I both travel with our dogs now, so we'll be on the plane, and a lot of times we have to make sure that we book uh, many 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 months in advance just to make sure that we can both have a dog on the plane because most aircrafts only allow so many in-cabin pets. And, uh, but uh, when you got your dog, I was like, oh my God, 
life is really going to change because taking Mitty with us was, I mean, it was pretty easy for me. She's five pounds. She's so tiny. She can sneak into anywhere, but Lorelai is like 15 pounds and having two dogs. And then I was always worried about Chris's workload because I mean, let's face it. I, I coast in at five o'clock in the afternoon. I do a 10 minute sound check and then I go back to my dressing room that is all set up and there's a teapot and Mitty's bed's there and Chris has got it all fixed up and there's candles going. Like it's always so zen. I love it. I mean, not always, but when we, when we can have a decent dressing room and there's like some almonds and I go into the band room and I always take their catering because they have way more stuff than me. But Chris has been there since six in the morning and usually he doesn't tell me about all the problems he's faced until like after sound check. After like, the show. Well, <laughs> I don't tell you until we're heading out. <laughs> the bus had a flat tire. Norm had a nosebleed all day. Uh, we couldn't find, we couldn't find blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? Yeah. But everything always looks normal to me. The show must go on. But she's, she's a trooper. I'm actually worried about starting again because she's now had a year of not being in a dressing room or being on a I plane get or, it. or being left alone in a hotel room for three hours. Like oh. I'm, a, I'm a bit worried about it, but jump back in and I get, I hope it's like riding a bike for her. I don't know. I, I think it will be Chris. I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be relatively painless. Like even yesterday, um, I took some friends to Canmore. Uh, it was kind of a work trip. We were doing some stuff for the horse shit campaign. I can say that because it's an actual www.horseshit.ca. And uh, most people are catching on to the fact that I'm doing a lot of advocacy for horses that are raised for human consumption here in Alberta flown from Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg to Japan. Anyway, it's, it's a long drawn out story, but I keep trying to like get this banned and get it stopped. So one of the things we did in Canmore yesterday is we just did some um, spur of the moment busking and we handed out stickers and we just talked to people about the issues. But anyway, long story short, after we did that, we went to a restaurant like without glass cages and the waiters didn't have masks on, I was really apprehensive. Like I lied in bed last night and thought about, is my throat sore for five hours? I'm thinking, is it worth it at this point? We're going to have some PTSD coming out of this for sure about like, about all of the different, all of the different regulations we've faced for a year. And then, well, it's like I said about the meet and greets, it's just not going to be able to happen for that reason. So there's going to be changes all over, but I haven't eaten out yet. You've beat me to it. I've, I've ordered takeout, but I haven't gone to an actual restaurant. I've gone twice now. I went to I went to a keg. Feel free to sponsor us, the keg. Remember it was called the keg and cleaver? My dad still calls it that. Yeah, I guess they dropped the cleaver part. When I used to drink, going to the keg was like such a big deal because they had these great lounges. And, um, I mean, this is in the 80s. And I would drink like five B-52 coffees. You're drunk, but you can't sleep for like two weeks because you're like, it's Bailey's Kahlua, Grand Marnier, real whipped cream, and like black coffee. How do you not throw that up after you're drinking? That sounds awful. Chris, like, there's a lot of questions about how did I even survive life. 
Chris knew me when I was drinking. He knew me Jan drinking days. And I, God, I'm so sorry, Chris. I, I think I just put you through so much stuff. I remember that time I wiped out all this patio furniture and you were like trying to get me up on my feet. At least nobody was around. I think that was you, me, and a friend of ours. Yeah, that was a backyard moment. <laughs> Private. <laughs> Private. You just gave yourself away. No one else saw that. <laughs> but now there, you just told everybody. <laughs> there was no paparazzi. You are on your own, and now everyone knows. I've only seen you kind of <laughs> drunk once in my life. I, we, we have we have sixty seconds in this segment. We were in Vegas. We'd gone to see a drag show, and you actually did me a favor. I was still drinking a bit. I was I had slowed down, but when you get a drink at these drag shows, it was a like it was a gin and tonic. That's what it I was ordered. A bucket, but it came in a plastic almost bucket with a straw. It must have been eight shots of gin. It was like thirty seven dollars, and I really couldn't drink it. It was one of those nights. I'm like, I'm not going to do this. And Chris just got. He's like, I'll do it. And he drank the whole thing, not thinking that within 15 minutes. Anyway, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about this story when we come back. You're listening to the Janard Podcast. I'm here with my road manager friend, Chris Brunton. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Janard Podcast. I'm here with Chris Brunton, uh, my road manager, longtime friend. We've worked together we're on our 18th year, 18th year. Uh, Chris, we're all doing this on a program called Riverside, which is kind of like Zoom, but it's for recording purposes. This is a little more amped up. This is like 2.0 for audio quality and things like that. Riverside, feel free to sponsor us. We totally would love to have you on. Um, so I'm looking at Chris right now, and you've got your hashtag free Britney t-shirt on. Yeah, I have a bunch of them. been wearing them all month. It's a very important cause. What do you think of all the stuff she's going through? I mean, from a music business perspective. Well, I'm heartbroken for her because no one's believed her until this year. She's been saying, she's not been saying it outright, but there have been hints for a while that she's been struggling with this. But Can you back up a bit and just, can you, can you tell us a little bit about what a conservative ship is and how this started? Because you, you're such a huge Britney fan, but you're also very savvy to the business end of it. So... How did this start and why did her family get control over her money and basically her life? Yeah, 13 years ago, um, the world kind of saw that she had a rough time. And frankly, no rougher time than most of us go through in our lives. I've shaved my head and I don't say that as a joke. I have. I've done worse things, but the public saw her do it all. So there was some worry. Um, there was also some custody issues going on with her children at the time with her ex-husband and she, uh, showed up at her ex-husband's house one night and the paparazzi were following her and she was parked at the gate and he wouldn't let her in. And, um, she kind of freaked out about that. And so there were all of these episodes. As you would, as everybody does. And, and so this, this is not unusual. People that are going through divorces, there's some crazy crap that happens. So I'm with you 100%. That doesn't sound, that doesn't sound outrageous to me at all. You're fighting with your husband. Your ki- the kids are involved. Adam, you have two little girls. I think if, it would be very easy to lose your temper and to feel the pressure of mental health and to feel out of control and to feel anxious. 
So there are many people, there are many, many, many folds to this story and it gets so deep. Um, Ronan Farrow, who did the investigative reporting on the Harvey Weinstein case, just released a New York, a New York Times, I think, Times or Post um, article on it a couple of weeks ago. I mean, he's been digging on it for, it's insane how deep this goes, but basically her father became the conservator and a conservatorship is meant for people with Alzheimer's disease, with um, extreme dementia, with, um, you know, with, that are basically incapacitated and can't take care of themselves. And so in that initial filing, they actually filed that Brittany had dementia. The, her what? family did. Yes. It was, You're kidding it was, me. No. So she, that she had memory loss? that she had a form of dementia brought on by her mental health. Oh my um, God. There are so many, like I said, there are so many layers to this story. So also these conservatorships are only meant to be temporary, but a year later uh, a judge ruled that it was going to be permanent. So for the past 13 years, she has not had. So when she goes through a drive through oh. at Starbucks, someone has to pay her bill. She doesn't have a cell phone. She's never had a cell phone in the last 13 years. How is she doing her Instagram? I don't think she has been until recently. I think since she spoke up um, a month ago in court, I think things have changed. How can she not have a cell phone, Chris? It's been documented by many people that she's not, that she didn't have a cell phone. She didn't even have the lawyer that was appointed for her until recently. She's now been allowed to get her own lawyer. And didn't he just quit? He did because she asked to get her own lawyer. He was making 500 and some thousand dollars a year to do that. And it was court appointed. And basically her living expenses, I think they said were something like $300,000 a year. Like he was making more being her lawyer than there's just so much. So when she was doing her Vegas residency and you've seen her, you've, you've seen her in Vegas several times, Chris. I met her. I talked to her. Yes. This is, here's the deal. This is the, this is the, this is the part of it that blows everyone's mind. A conservatorship is put in place for people who cannot handle their own affairs. Well, that, that should be me because <laughs> I cannot handle my own affairs. But why is, so why is Brittany under a conservatorship when she is performing every single night, didn't cancel a show for like four and a half years doing a show that, I mean, you've seen those kind of shows, Jan, you need, you need to know where you are, who you are, sing, dance, everything, and then employ hundreds of people. How can she support all of this? And that was her argument in court a couple of weeks ago. How can I support all these people who are making millions and millions and millions of dollars off of me? But oh, it's, I can't. Just, it's just horrible. So it is, it is actually, um, coming outside of just the Britney case right now, I guess these conservatorship abuse cases in, in are very prevalent. And there are, there's actually legislation um, that people are trying to bring about in the United States right now because Britney's bringing this to the light of where these are taken. Because families of people take advantage and all they do is they see the money. And unfortunately... That's what's happening, I think, in Britney's case is they see the money. 
there's just, it's, she's come out, Brittany's come out in the past few days on her Instagram, which I do think she completely has control over now because she has a new lawyer, but she's come right out and said, the people that you count on the most, your mother, your father, your sister, they're, they're, they're the biggest kind of culprits in all of this. Her manager, her manager quit um, a couple days ago. I think people are, I think people are distancing themselves from what might happen because I think, I think once, no kidding. I think once Brittany gets control of and gets out of this, I think there actually could potentially be a nightmare. Um, she, she mentioned in court last week, she wants to charge her family with conservatorship abuse, like charge them. That was her out of her mouth. It's been interesting to see how many, how many celebrities now have, popped up. And like you said, this conservatorship has been going on now for well over a decade. And that in and of itself is, it it just seems unfathomable to me, but she's getting a lot of support now from her peers. And I'm wondering why did we not see that even two years ago, three years ago? I think with Brittany, a lot of people really thought she had some I mean, she, I'm, I, but even if you do have problems, I don't know. That's the thing. But I mean, the thing that we really have to recognize and the thing that is very, very guilty in all of this is how the media treats celebrities over the past decade. We are seeing kind of a reckoning right now. And a lot of it has to do with the documentary about Britney that came out in February. Um, I haven't seen and that about yet. How awful like literally shoving TMZ cameras in her face as she's having a breakdown. Like, you know, the, the questions that Diane Sawyer asked her as an 18 year old that made her, that literally poked and prodded and made her cry on camera. Like these people are all complicit in her mental health journey because you would, we would all be in the same situation. So um, I don't, if she never, she says she'll never perform again as long as her family's in control of her. And I don't I was her. just, get out of my mind. Get out of my brain. Chris and I do this all the time. I'll go to say something and he says something to me and I'm already thinking about it. Um, I was just going to say to you, do you think she's going to perform again while this thing is still in place? And you answered my question. Not ever while this is in place. And to be very honest, and most people that really are kind of fans of hers. And I, I mean, I skipped homeroom in the ninth grade to go get her second record. Like I'm a diehard from the beginning. I will say that if I never see her perform again on stage, I do not care. I just want her out of this. I want her to have her money Aww. and I want her to go live on an island and be happy. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. I'm with Chris Brunton. We'll be right back. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. I love is making music with my friends and I can't wait to get on the road again. Welcome back to the Jan Arden Show podcast. I'm with Chris Brunton, my road manager, my friend, my travel companion, my confidant. What's the hardest part about finding food on the road, Chris? It's, I think it's our biggest challenge. Healthy, because nothing's open. You know what? If you want to, if you, I don't have the energy to do this, but if someone wants to make a lot of money... <laughs> <laughs> an app open a help, healthy restaurant that stays open past like seven thirty p.m because we are always looking at 11 or midnight and there's nothing we are that's why we always end up getting vegan chicken nuggets 
Well, I mean, on the bus, they do carry food, but because Chris and I don't travel on the bus anymore, and I'm not being a diva, I swear to you I'm not. It's actually me. <laughs> I just don't want to get sick. I'm I'm getting older. Like, I, I used to be able to plow through a cold, and I could sing, and I could be congested, and I'd hack and cough, and, you know, I'd have a cigarette in my 30s, and I'd be okay to sing. And now at 59, I'm like, uh-uh. I I can't even risk anything. So that's why, as previously mentioned, Chris and I will fly with the dogs by ourselves. The band, however, and the crew travel in buses. But they, here's my point, they have food. So they can bring their bags of carrots. Allison, uh, our wonderful utility player over the past many years, I mean, she literally has a bag of carrots that she will just take out dirt and all and just be Want a carrot? No, I'm good, Allison. Thank you so much. But um, when Chris and I are in the van, what the hell? We, we're always at the mercy of, we don't even have a cooler because we're going to turn the van in at some point back to the rental agency. We have like four vans over the course of a tour. Yeah. And I can only eat so many almonds. Yeah. It's tricky. It's tricky. It's the times. It's it's the times. I have to figure. I have to figure something out going back into this because I've changed my entire life in the, since we've been off the road, like my eating habits and my and my working out and everything. So to maintain what I have changed, haven't you lost like forty pounds in the last year and a half? Forty five. Forty five. Where did you have forty five pounds? You were always so slim. I accessorized to cover it, but yeah, I lost forty five pounds during the pandemic. And I have completely changed. Okay, you're my- the only person on the planet. Everybody <laughs> else has gained 45 pounds. Yeah. Uh, I The interesting thing for me going forward in what we do is how I maintain what I have made a habit over the past year and then translate that into the crazy schedule of touring. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give someone a shameless plug here because you did buy a Peloton. I did, yeah. It changed my life. And you've been drinking you've been drinking water this entire time. Like you're driving me crazy. I only drink water now. And you know me, I've never drank water in my entire life. I would have three three Coca-Colas and you know, a pound of bacon. No, but since we've been doing this like, over the last forty minutes, you have every time I'm talking, you're drinking water out of that bottle. Yeah. Like do you do you pee all the time? What's going on here? Are you just in the bathroom? <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, well, and I'm, because I work out now so often, I just feel the need to hydrate, hydrate. But you always worked out. You've worked out since I've known you. Maybe not Intermittently, though. I do six days a week for 90 minutes now. Do you want to talk a little bit about the crazy health year that you've had? Sure. Well, I mean, crazy health decade. <laughs> but there's, there's, well, yeah, there's a lot of that. But, you know, it was bad enough with COVID starting and the lockdowns and, you know, you and Lorelai are in a condo and it was probably tricky with elevators. I bet you did those 22 floors of stairs several times. Yeah. Going down, not coming up. I took my risk. But yeah, I um, actually, interestingly enough, one year ago today, I was rushed to the hospital July 22nd oh. of 2020 um, to get because I had severe pain in my abdomen and what I thought was going to be a routine appendectomy turned into them finding cancer. And so uh, I would find out. And it was inside your appendix, wasn't it? Yeah. 
the tumor so had weird. grown inside my appendix, but had nothing to do with the appendicitis. So it's really interesting because as everyone who is very close to me knows, 22 is my lucky number. And so I said in on the way to the hospital, I said, oh, it's July 22nd and I'm, I feel like I'm dying. I guess 22 isn't my lucky number anymore. Well, the appendicitis saved my life because had I not had appendicitis, they would have never seen the tumor. And it was it a very probably, rare kind of cancer, wasn't it? Yeah. And it would have probably grown and possibly spread without me knowing or having any symptoms. So isn't that something else? Good things come out of bad things, Chris. Yeah. So in early, so the surgery was a year ago today. And then um, I found out a week later. So next week, last summer that I had cancer. And yeah, I mean, being in the hospital and going through the cancer center in Calgary was, they are amazing there and they have just the most amazing people. And this was all during COVID. Yeah. But to complicate everything, it was during COVID and during spikes of COVID cases in the hospitals. But you, you've been so impressive, Chris, the way you've, the way you have looked after yourself, the positivity that you brought to your Instagram. And the reason I say this is that we're living in a time where people curate really bizarre Instagram stories. What they show the world is so, it's not real. It doesn't help anybody to take 500 pictures of yourself to get one that looks right because you've got 17 ring lights. And I was so impressed with you, Chris. I mean, I always am anyway. You're an impeccable person. You're a person of your word. No one works harder than you. Uh, There's a reason that you and I have worked together for 18 years, and it's because you are honest to a fault. I could trust Chris with, you know, sometimes there's a lot of money being collected at the end of shows. Sometimes it's like piles of cash. Like, it's very weird how some people pay out. You think that you just get handed a check sometimes, but depending on the venue and how this deal has been done, sometimes you are literally getting bundles of $100 bills. Start the car. And I, yeah, start the car. I wish I could tell you that I'm getting this money, but there's about 15 people in a line with their handout from promoters, agents, managers, security forces, the building. So I'm, I, I'm saying this, but I don't want people to think, oh, Jan, blah, blah, blah. I really never see that stuff. But Chris does because he collects it and gets it to the management company. And I have, I have seen him sitting at a crappy little desk with his computer, head in hands. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm missing eight cents. Like, it's not balancing. There's eight cents. And I'm just like, forget about it, Chris. My God. Like, let's just go. We will. Nope. Uh-uh. I've done. There's, it's somewhere. So that's who you are. But anyway, getting back to your Instagram, you, you were so vulnerable You talk so openly about how you felt, the difficulties that you faced. And I'm really proud of you for that. And and I'm sure you got so many comments back. Yeah, it was, I got a lot of comments. Um, I just think the biggest lesson I've learned outside of all of my health stuff from a mental health standpoint, and I mean, even it goes to the Britney stuff, like the more people see that people have mental health issues, the less stigmatized it is. And so I think, the most important thing that we can do as adult human beings is allow ourselves to be vulnerable. And that doesn't mean open up to people taking advantage of us at all. That isn't yeah. the same type of vulnerability. You can be vulnerable and set very strict boundaries for yourself. 
And so it was important to me to showcase what I was going through. So other people, I mean, I had so many messages saying, I bet my mom's going through it. My son's going through it. My job. And it's just nice to see that we're not alone and we're not alone. And that's the kind of the story of the pandemic is we're not alone, even though we're all isolated, but then to take that to cancer or mental health. There's been, there's been a real, um, there has been a connect, a connecting point, I think, with all of us and globally. Yeah. I don't think it, since I've been alive, certainly, that I've ever experienced anything that connected the world. I mean, certainly you see things like the Twin Towers, and of course, the entire eyes of the world are on that, and it connects people grieving. I mean, those those things are absolutely there. The bombing in Oklahoma, I mean, world wars, things, issues going on all the time. But this thing in particular, this pandemic, has really joined us all at the hip because we all experienced it at the same time and are still going through it. I mean, you see the states opening up now and now you see them closing down. Anyway, Adam is giving me the twisty fingers thing. Oh, my word. That went quick. Chris Brunton, that's it. That's our show. That was quick. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, just for being on the show. And it's so great to touch base with you. It's always fun. Yeah, I can't wait to get back on the road. And um, I hope everyone enjoys their Saturday. Uh, thank you very much, Chris. Uh, look after yourself, for God's sakes. I need you out there. And what am I going to wear? We need to talk. You've been listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. Totally do. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.